This is Generation Justice, a multiracial project that trains youth to harness the power of community through media, narrative, and critical consciousness. I am Sunandita Santanam. Generation Justice broadcasts from the rightful lands of the Tiwa people. Thank you for joining us. Did you know that Albuquerque is widely recognized as the epicenter of flamenco in the United States? Tonight, we speak with the amazing Eva and Marisol Encinas from the National Institute of Flamenco about the upcoming 36th Festival Flamenco here in Albuquerque. Here is the song Como el Agua by Camarón de la Isla, one of the greatest flamenco singers of all time. Ay, como el agua. last 36 years, the National Institute of Flamenco, partnered with the University of New Mexico and the National Hispanic Cultural Center, has presented the Festival Flamenco Albuquerque. We are so honored and excited to bring you an interview with Eva and Marisol Encinas. Eva and Marisol share what it was like to live in a flamenco family. They inform us about the history and the origins of the National Institute of Flamenco and tell us everything about this year's Festival Flamenco, which starts on June 9th. Here is Barbara Ramirez speaking with Eva and Marisol Insignias. This is Barbara Ramirez with Generation Justice, and I am so honored to be speaking with Eva and Marisol Insignias. Eva, a native Albuquerquean, is the founding director of the National Institute of Flamenco, the Conservatory of Flamenco Arts, and Festival Flamenco Albuquerque. Eva developed flamenco as an art form by breaking down the essential tenets of the art to create an accessible, rigorous curriculum. Her discipline for and dedication to the art led to her inception of the Flamenco Concentration Program at the University of New Mexico's Department of Theater and Dance the only dance program in the world with a flamenco concentration in a degree program. As a key figure in enriching the New Mexican cultural landscape, Eva has been a catalyst for developing flamenco as an art form in New Mexico through performance, teaching, and community advocacy. Through Eva's work, Albuquerque is widely recognized as the epicenter of flamenco in the United States. Marisol Encinas, who is Eva's daughter, is a native New Mexican who began formal study of dance and flamenco at the age of five with her grandmother, Clarita Garcia de Aranda. Her artistic interpretation arises from her immersion in the art form from childhood. Marisol is an instructor, performance, and choreographer, and assistant professor of dance at the University of New Mexico. Marisol is the executive director of the National Institute of Flamenco. She is artistic director and curator of the Festival Flamenco Albuquerque, the oldest and largest flamenco festival outside of Spain. As a native New Mexican who belongs to a family who has made flamenco performance and education a central part of their lives, flamenco has been a guiding force for her. Marisol seeks to create opportunities and make a difference in the lives of people in her New Mexico community through flamenco. Eva and Marisol, Welcome to Generation Justice. It's an honor to have you. Please tell us more about yourselves. Okay, this is Eva. Well, I, I um, 
started dance as a, as a very, very young girl. My mother had a studio on Edith and Candelaria. Lo I love dance. I mean, we did lots of different types of dance in my mother's studio. We did tap and Mexican folk dance and Spanish classical dance forms and Spanish regional dance forms. And of course, flamenco. From day one, I, 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 I want to believe that I just, I love to dance. And I, it was something that that um, I, I, I think that I could never imagine not doing. And so my mother was a, was a wonderful teacher and a beautiful dancer and also a, a, quite an incredible singer. And so our lives were raised with the art form. I, re I remember for whatever reason, we had a guitarist seeming to rent a space in our house so that we always had music around. And um, my mother had a beautiful voice and would sing. And, you know, my my life was just filled with music and dance. And I, I loved it and just sort of knew that that was what I was going to carry, carry on for the rest of my life. Uh, when I graduated from high school, I uh, would have loved to have studied dance or flamenco in a university. But at that time, there wasn't a, a program where you could study in the United States. So I decided to get a dance degree at UNM. And um, that was a wonderful experience for me. I was able to study other forms of dance that I wasn't as familiar with. And um, then just continue to let that information inform my flamenco. I was encouraged to do a lot of choreography and a lot of performance and in many different styles of dance. And I think that that only helped me to appreciate more, even more deeply, the beauty and the, the um, depth of artistry that was involved in studying flamenco, because you're not just studying a form of dance, but you're studying music and, um, the history that's involved with it and the cultural aspects of the art form. And so I I just loved it. And, and that exploration, that time when I was in college and, and um, studying dance in, in sort of a more broad way, although with my mother, we studied lots of different styles of dance. But at the university, I feel like that that expanded quite a bit. Then not long after I started uh, as a student there, they asked me to start teaching. And so then I had the opportunity to start to take information that I've had, that, are, that I had had at uh, since a very young age and start to kind of shape it for a university curriculum, which of course was, was pretty different. I mean, that, that to fit it into a four-year program and and considering that most of the students had never had flamenco, uh, that was an exciting adventure for me. So uh, I was at the university for 43 years. It was a fabulous opportunity for me to share this incredible art form with thousands of people, literally. I mean, because we, uh, you know, people going through the program and uh, even people that weren't studying, but we were being exposed to the art form. So it became a great forum for me to share what I thought was 
just a spectacular form of of communication through dance. Thank you so much for sharing that, Eva. Again, I'm so privileged and honored to be speaking with both of you. Marisol, tell us more about yourself. So this is Marisol Encinas. And, you know, following up on, on what my mother said, my mother danced with my grandmother, Clarita. I have a twin brother, Joaquin Encinas, who I've danced with my whole life. And I continue to work with on a daily basis. And, you know, my brother and I grew up uh, dancing with my grandmother and also having as a mentor, our mother, Eva. And so it was, we've grown up within this model of how she works and without having to say it necessarily, not telling us this is what you do, but her modeling this behavior of what it is to be a dancer, what it is to 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 want to create uh, experiences within production and performance for the community. And so, you know, my brother and I both continue to work as artists, as teachers, both of us perform less now. Right now, I'm the executive director of the National Institute of Flamenco, and I'm an assistant professor of dance at the University of New Mexico. My brother is the director of curriculum at uh, Tierra Dentro Charter School. And so he's he's tied in on a daily basis, working with young people and training young people in flamenco music and dance. And really what, what I think that we were we were modeled in growing up is, first of all, I mean, the intricacy of becoming a good artist, or even like I would say, just an artist, not even working to be good, but it's, it takes thousands and thousands and thousands of hours and, and many, many years to grow as an artist and what that discipline and what is involved in doing that and the kind of uh, awareness that you build of yourself and of what the art is as you're growing through this process and developing that's one of the things that we learned from my mom and we started to to be able to figure out how we would endeavor to go into our own investigation as artists but also continuing to look at how we work with community and i think that the other thing that has come to me after you know my family's been doing this including my grandmother probably over a century here in in this community is the way that flamenco and the arts can elevate people, can elevate and empower. And it's creating a narrative, creating a way in which you want to be perceived and you perceive yourself and you dictating those terms for how you want to be perceived. And I think for, for young men and for young women, one of the things that I'm drawn to all the time is like flamenco is this incredibly expressive and powerful and incredibly beautiful art form. And the sense of energy and power and strength and clarity and honesty that comes through, I think, as you perform and as you do this, what that does for people, for young people, for old people, for all people, as you're playing, as you're singing, as you're dancing, I'm really tied to what happens when when people have those opportunities. I've been able to see the power that flamenco, this art form has had on my family as us as individuals and us as a family. And so I'm committed to making sure that as many people as possible have those opportunities in their lives. Thank you so much, Marisol. And thank you for all that you and your family has gifted to New Mexico and New Mexicans. It's, it's so beautiful to have the both of you here. I would love to hear more about the history of flamenco in your family and about Clarita Garcia de Aranda. My mother was a 
one of those larger than life human beings that just had a, an incredible personality. She was very beautiful, physically very beautiful. She had a tremendous spirit and, and outrageous energy. She was singing all the time, whether she was in her garden, cleaning her house or uh, preparing supper. She was always singing. She had a beautiful voice and just a, a, an incredibly outgoing personality. People really loved her and she she was beautiful physically and, and a beautiful human being. Her brother, her older brother, was really the person who taught her dance. She, he had a dance studio, we found out, uh, on 2nd Street and, and led, which I, I think is so incredible that he had his dance studio there. And he taught his brothers and sisters to dance. At some point in his training, he studied flamenco. We're not sure where or how, although we know that he did. He was in California for a while, and there were some really, this must have been like maybe in the 40s. I don't know. What do you think? Maybe like maybe 20s, 30s, maybe 20s or 30s, um, where he was in California and he studied flamenco. I know that there was a very famous uh, family there, the Cancinos, at that time in Los Angeles. And so possibly that could have been where he learned some of his information. Anything that he would learn, he would always come back home and share it with his brothers and sisters. They all danced, but my mother and my uncle were the two that continued to dance professionally. They were, they had a beautiful, they had an act that they did, a duo, and they did not strictly flamenco, they did lots of different Mexican folk dance, they did Argentinian tango, they did flamenco, they did lots of different, I think they even did tap, they did some, some tap dance as well. So, um, he was to be, he was supposed to be a very, very beautiful dancer. I never, I didn't remember ever seeing him dance, but my mother was, was electrifying on stage. She was a very beautiful woman and um, made her own costumes. And, you know, as, as soon as we were able to, she was carrying us around with her and we were performing as well, along with my cousins and, in in my mind, I thought it was something that everyone did as a young child. You know, I, I you, you're not old enough to get have perspective of you know how how special and how unique this experience was for us. I always felt very lucky that I had this larger than life mother that um, gave us lots of opportunities that had tremendous impact on our lives and. And it was so special that I knew that it was something that, that I wanted to be able to share for sure with with my community and with my friends and my the the larger community, Albuquerque and our state. And it was something that I realized that, you know, as I got older, not everyone had the opportunity to have. And I wanted to be able to share it with as many people as I possibly could. Yeah, so this is Marisol, and I think that what I would add about my grandmother, Clarita, she was a beautiful performer, and additionally, like, our love, I think, for education and for community and for sharing in community also comes from my grandmother, Clarita, 
she taught, she had a school and had lots and lots of people in her classes, adults and children, and how she was, is it was a multi-generational, intergenerational experience, and that she would try to get everybody involved. I remember stories of always my grandmother saying, she's the one that would start and saying, it's okay, just bring them to class, come to class. Uh, she would give scholarships, she would have people just come and be part of it and figure out ways for people to be able to uh, have their children or themselves be part of this art form. And it's interesting because flamenco at that time, there wasn't, there wasn't much flamenco here. I mean, there, it, it was, a, there were small pockets of flamenco. A lot of people that would come weren't even sure what it was that they were going to be studying. It was part of the buffet that my mother would, that <laughs> she would teach because she'd teach a little bit of ballet and a little bit of tap and flamenco and Mexican folk dance. And as you know, ballroom, we always on Wednesday nights, we did ballroom and we thought it was normal. I mean, this, because it was what we knew. It wasn't until I was older that I realized how, what a special experience and environment it was for us to live in. It wasn't until I was older that I realized that, that we had such a particular opportunity to work in this way. And it did, you know, I mean, it, it made me want to explore dance and specifically flamenco more, share it with the community because that's what she did. And I realized how important that is. I'll still run across people now. Uh, it's so incredible. We'll be doing performances on the Old Town Plaza and, and people will come up to me and say, oh, I saw your mother dance and she was so beautiful and larger than life. And it changed me in so many ways. And it's so great to see, you know, you still doing it here and my children and some of my grandchildren dance as well. And so it's an honor when I speak with people like this because they appreciate it and they remember my mother. She was a larger than life person. She she taught us so many important, you know, things specific to dance, but much bigger in that we have a responsibility to our community to share the gifts that we've been given, do it as completely and fully as possible. Now that I'm retired from the university, uh, my daughter Marisol here has me teaching in community centers again. <laughs> and that's great for me because we did that as children. And now I'm going to be 70 this year and I'm back to my community, community center teaching. <laughs> You are listening to Generation Justice, broadcasting on 89.9 KUNM-FM. Tonight, Eva and Marisol Encinas tell us about the 36th Annual Festival Flamenco Albuquerque, the legacy of flamenco, and what it means to them as women who pioneered representation of New Mexico flamenco across the country and the world. Here is our interviewer, Barbara Ramirez, speaking with Eva and Marisol Encinas. One of the things that we saw during the pandemic was that accessibility and specifically if we want to be able to reach underserved populations and potentially in this case, we're talking about in a lot of cases, people of color from low income households being able to have access to quality arts education and quality arts experiences 
it was mo even more difficult for families and for individuals to be able to commit to bringing their kids. And even if we offered a scholarship, they scholarship they couldn't come to our studio so we realized okay the only way that we're going to be able to meet these people is if we're going to their homes we're going to their neighborhoods so we initiated we started with it with Bernalillo County a project where we go to community centers and teach music and dance in community centers at nine different community centers around Bernalillo County and my mother in in all of her uh in her in you know her ex example of generosity of spirit is our lead teacher in these <laughs> in these communities but you know I think that one of the things that she comes home every day and tells me Mari so today this little boy was doing this or today this little girl was doing this and these are the kind of wins that you get on a daily basis when you see young people uh being impacted and the kind of what that does for their spirit what it does for their self-esteem for their sense of self that is done day by day. The other thing I would add about my grandmother, she was the in most incredible uh, example for of spirit tenacity in a woman that I've ever seen besides my mother. One of the things that I've been modeled from being able to work with my mom is the idea of consistency and being able to go in daily, day to day and doing it. And that's what the arts I think are all about besides is this expressing yourself fully, but also doing it with consistency. And that's how you grow as an artist and what we are all about doing. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing that. It, it's so beautiful. And something that stuck with me was sharing the gifts that you had been given. That's so beautiful. And you both have given us a gift by describing Clarita Garcia de Aranda. I, I want to thank you both for that. Thank you. So, Eva, why did you decide to uh, start the National Institute of Flamenco? I would love to hear about the beginnings of the Institute. Well, a couple of different kind of reasons that came together at, you know, with a lot of proximity. One was that I had started a festival at the university. We had been asked to do a special performance uh, in celebration of 50 years of the College of Fine Arts. They gave me a little budget and I thought, oh, this would be great because I had been thinking already that it would be wonderful to be able to start a festival where I could invite people from across the country, uh, dancers and musicians, that could come and perform in our community because the community here didn't have a lot of access to what to other flamenco other than what my mom had had presented and what we were presenting which was you know i i would i want to believe it was good and it was it was important, but there were a lot of people at that time then doing flamenco, a lot of people across the country, and of course, people in Spain, but our community didn't have access to them. And so this was going to be a great opportunity for me to be able to invite some people from around the United States that I admired as artists and could share their artistry with our community. So that was in uh, 1987. And so they gave me a little bit of a budget. And so I was able to, to invite a few artists from across the country. And we did a weekend of performances and workshops. 
and it was um uh it was it was received with such enthusiasm that um the dean at the time said you know would you consider making this a yearly event and so i said well sure you know as long as if you if you can continue to give us some uh resources then we can continue to make this happen so for the next few years we continued to take our little budget and and create a, a yearly flamenco festival after you know about five years in i decided okay well i would like to this to grow it was growing anyway i mean it was it was uh, developing some popularity and people were starting to come from outside of new mexico to experience this flamenco festival because there hadn't been anything like it outside of Albuquerque. But I wanted it to grow. I wanted to be able to start to invite people from Spain. And the university stuck with me there for one more year. And then they started to get a little, said, we want to be able to help you. But I have a feeling that this is going to be something that's going to grow into quite a large event and with a lot of artists from outside of the country. And that starts to become a little complicated for the university. They said, we'll want to give you space. We'll give you support to the level that we can. Uh, but, you know, we really think that you should take this on. And so that's when I started to realize that I needed to write grants and get support, uh, sponsorships and things like that. And so the best way to do that would be to create a nonprofit so that we could start to write those grants and get support from the community outside of the university. Initially, it was Instituto Flamenco. That was our first um, effort in doing that. And uh, actually, prior to that, I had a performance company that already had a 501c3. And we weren't performing as much at that time because the university program had grown quite a bit and the festival was growing a lot. So I just transitioned that nonprofit, which was Ritmo Flamenco, into Instituto Flamenco. The festival started to grow and we were writing grants and doing lots of things to help to make sure that it was going to be able to support bringing artists from Spain because of course that was a very costly venture and uh, there was a lot of you know to be honest a lot of sort of um, crazy growth patterns that were happening you know sometimes uh, it was just a little scary because there were a lot of variables that we couldn't control in regard to international travel and visas and all of the things that comes into play when you start to work internationally. But the festival continued to grow and and um, it was really getting to be incredibly popular and and we started instead of bringing individual artists, we were bringing companies. You know, it was it was really it, it, an exciting thing, and and so looking back, I I'm proud of the work that was done in in developing the the festival. But the institute, as I said, had mainly been in place to support the effort of the festival. Um, but at the same time, we were also realizing that there were some needs in the community that as wonderful as the university program was um, servicing the university community. And there were a lot of other people in our community that wanted to be 
exposed and have access to flamenco. So we realized that what was Instituto Flamenco could also uh, be involved in opening a school, in, in supporting prof a professional company, a performance company, could be doing outreach in the community and in greater ways outside of the university. So then uh, eventually it became the National Institute of Flamenco and my kids got involved in, in our school opening the Conservatory of Flamenco Arts and the rest is history. <laughs> my mom, she had a 501c3 that she converted into being the National Institute of Flamenco around 1987 when she had her festival. With that, you know, that the Institute has continued to grow from that work. And right now, you know, we have partnerships with Tierra Dentro Charter School. We have a partnership with University of New Mexico. We have partnerships with Heritage Hotels where we have a tablao here in, in Albuquerque. We also have a tablao in Santa Fe. Then, as my mother said, we have as ongoing programs, the Conservatory of Flamenco Arch, which is a school here in Albuquerque where people can study music and dance of all, all ages of students can study music and dance. We have a professional company that has salaried artists that are musicians and dancers that perform year round in theater productions here in Albuquerque and around the United States. And then we also have Festival Flamenco, which is our flagship event that my mother described that began in 1987. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's admirable, the, the history that you just shared and the international perspective is what's like, so much to me that you thought, yes, I want to bring people from Spain <laughs> and started moving forward to make it happen. That's just so amazing to me. And I would like to ask you about the upcoming Festival Flamenco, this 36th uh, festival that's coming up on June 9th. One of the things that I would just say about that is that my mother was, um, she's she's a bit fearless. And that's kind of, it's a little scary sometimes when you think of being, what it means to be fearless. And that she she understood that I want to think big. I want to think about what we can do on a, on a larger scale and being ambitious. So she started bringing artists internationally start beginning in 1992 to the festival. This year, we're bringing 90 artists from Spain and Mexico. We're showcasing wow. also a group of artists from Mexico City who are mestizos, who are Mexicanos that have been doing flamenco their whole lives. And we also like to be able to showcase the work of people because not everybody who does flamenco or they're not everybody that does flamenco lives in Spain and of Spanish nationality. There are people that do flamenco all around the world and they've dedicated their lives to doing flamenco and have a very specific way of being able to express that based on the kind of the multifaceted experiences that they live and how that comes to be expressed in their art. Uh, the rest of the companies are are mainly from Spain, Granada, Jerez, Sevilla, Madrid, um, all over. We're bringing 12 different companies to the festival this year. So that's a lot of work visas, a lot of airplane tickets, a lot of hotel rooms, all of that kind of stuff that goes along with it. But really what happens when you do that, it's, it's just this experience that is really electrifying of different people sharing their artistry in in this space so I like to think that there's kind of like this almost this glow that comes around Albuquerque during the festival of all of this energy that permeates 
our space here of a sharing of artistry that's really, really beautiful. That's amazing. Eva, would you like to add anything? I mean, one of the one of the great things about about flamenco is that as as much as a dance or music form, you know, it it has cultural and social and and dynamics that are going on between people that are are just really really exciting. When you look at the literal interaction between a guitarist and a singer and a dancer, which is like the primary essence of flamenco, that interaction is profound. I mean, it, 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 because in the best of all cases, there's improvisation and there's rhythm and melody and music and, and energy going on between all of these artists that is really quite amazing. But then in the festival, when we bring this large group of people from Spain and some of them coming in from Mexico. We're all speaking the same language, but in our own very personal ways. And that is phenomenal. Um, Ihastros, for instance, the American Flamenco Repertory Company that is directed by my son, they have a very, very distinct look and way of expressing the art form but it is respected by people from Spain, people from Mexico, people from Albuquerque, people from all over the world that come to the festival. And then at the same time, then we're looking at these very high-end artists that come from Spain, who we totally respect as artists, but the audiences are appreciating that as well. On, in a very in a very profound way, and then we have this group that is coming from Mexico that has their very distinct way of interpreting the art form, and we're appreciating that as well, knowing and realizing and celebrating the differences, but also celebrating the fact that we're all doing the same art form in our own distinct ways with as much. Um, reverence for the art form and appreciation for each other's interpretations. And that's a that's a really beautiful thing to, to be able to experience. So that that week or 10 days of flamenco here in the summer is much more than just a series of performances and workshops, but it's really bringing people together and affirming the fact that we that we love and appreciate this art form and we love what they're doing and they're appreciating what we're doing and it's all coming together in a really really powerful way and our community just that that goes to the performances and goes to the workshops they leave I believe changed in a very, very beautiful way as the artists do as well in that we have reaffirmed the fact that yes, this, this art form started and was nurtured in Spain, but is now being done all around the world with people of tremendous integrity that truly appreciate the art form and spend their lives devoted to honing it as best they can and sharing it because it is such a special, special experience.
I think that one of the things that has come about more now in this in this kind of era of trying to be more awake and aware, recon, recognizing contributions. One of the things is, I mean, it's it's widely recognized right now that the flamenco comes about as an art form that is heavily influenced, if not based on on the music and dance forms and cultures of black people of of African music and dance forms, of indigenous music and dance forms. And what happened in our history and this kind of global history of sharing, rubbing up against each other of different cultures in sometimes very kind of problematic and troubling ways, but the sharing of experiences and how art develops, how music and mm -hmm. dance form develop in different ways. And flamenco comes from that, that experience, from that history. Additionally, from with the Spanish Romani people, the Gitanos, what they're called in Spain, they're uh, rubbing up with this African music and dance, indigenous, with Spanish, with Arabic, with Judaic, with all of these forms that come together. And from this place comes flamenco. And so it is, it is a global uh, art form that is kind of pressurized. And that tension <laughs> is what, from that tension is where flamenco comes from. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things, like my mother mentioned, the Hastros, the American Flamenco Repertory Company, they will be presenting a concert called Chicano Power in the festival this year. And where we, we express at the same time uh, the kind of identity and the pressure that that forms our experience as Chicanos that are doing flamenco. Another one of the dancers that's coming to perform is a woman from Chile. Her name is Florencia. She goes by Florencia Oz, and she's joined by her sister Isadora Orion Zuniga. And they're, they're from Chile, and they've lived in Spain for the last many years, but they're just outrageous, outrageous, incredible artists. And again, their performance and their experience is part, just an expression of who they are, as, as everybody's is. One time, one somebody said, what makes something flamenco or what makes a person a flamenco, a person that does flamenco, flamenco? Another wise person said, a person becomes a flamenco because of their base of knowledge. You learn and you build skill and you build awareness and you build a bank of knowledge that creates this kind of understanding through which you are a flamenco. And that's something that it had, takes many, 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 many years of work to be able to build. But flamencos with different from different experiences coming together and expressing their flamenco is a really powerful thing. And, and, that's, and one of the things that we're committed to is being able to uh, present diverse voices of flamencos. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful to hear both of you describe this that I'm sure it's hard to describe because it's so rich, but the <laughs> the history is important to understand to be able to receive um everything. Um remind us about the dates of the festival and where can people find more information about the festival this year? So this year's festival takes place from June 9th through June 17th. Um, 2023, and it takes place at University of New Mexico, the National Hispanic Cultural Center, and Tablao Flamenco Albuquerque at Hotel Albuquerque, Old Town. You can get information on the festival at ffabq.org, and at that website, we have a full list of offerings, performances, 
workshops. This year, we're very excited. Bernalillo County Film Office is sponsoring Flamenco and Cine in El Cine Day of films that will be showed at the Guild Theater. We're partnering with the Guild. And that's on June 11th, and I hope people will come out and see it. Also, additionally, we have a number of free performances that are happening throughout Bernalillo County that is being sponsored by Bernalillo County, specifically. Is there anyone that you would like to thank at this moment? Well, <laughs> I, I um, of course, thank my mother, who gave me you know, as a, as a young child, you, you don't know how special something is until you have perspective as to its place in the world. And the gift that she gave me of dance is has made my life so special and, and given me opportunities to experience, you know, a, a, a form of dance and music that is so empowering. Uh, also creating alliances and relationships with people that have informed me and allowed me to inform others in this beautiful, beautiful art form. And it's something that has been such a special dynamic in our family that is a challenging one for sure, but at the same time, a bonding presence that has given our family a focus and an energy that I'll always be grateful for. And that spirit that my mother brought to that is something that has been a guiding light in my life and I know in my children's lives as well. This is Marisol and I would like to thank all of the individuals who come together to help us put on this festival every year, all of the workers, our staff, our volunteers, all of our, our technical production people, our artists. I would like to thank as well all of the people who buy tickets and come and take workshops. I'd like to thank all of them for being part of it without their commitment and, and coming to do it. We couldn't do the festival. I'd also like to thank all of the people who contribute and are sponsors and supporters of the festival. We have many sponsors, supporters of Festival Flamengo, and there are many businesses here in town. And I would encourage you to go on our website and see some of our sponsors and support these businesses because they believe in, in the work. And I thank them for believing in the work and for helping us to make sure not only that we can do the festival this year, but that we have a 37th, the 38th, the 39th, the 40th festival, and that we're able to continue to do this into the future. Thank you so much. In, in this spirit of gratitude, I want to thank the both of you for the hard work that you do and continue to do and have done so that Albuquerque is widely recognized as the epicenter of flamenco in the United States. What you give to New Mexico and the world is invaluable. And again, it has been such a privilege to speak with both of you. Is there anything that you would like to add before we wrap up this interview? No, we're very grateful that you've, that you've invited us to share our stories and, um, Flamenco is it's 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 so wonderful for me to know that flamenco has such an important such an important part of who we are as is as Albuquerqueans and New Mexicans and um, our family. So uh, we thank you for for giving us a forum to continue to give our message and um, and and appreciate so much your appreciation 
of what we do yes. because uh, this is our home and uh, we we worked hard to to lift up this beautiful art form that was shared with us from our mother and grandmother. Um, but it can only continue to grow if people like yourselves take uh, an interest and, in, and invest time and energy in helping us to get our message out. Thank you so much. Thank you. For Generation Justice, I'm Barbara Ramirez. Thank you, Eva and Marisol, for giving me the opportunity to learn about the rich culture and the history of flamenco, your relationship with art, dance, and music, and also working to ensure that arts education is equitable to everyone in New Mexico. As a dancer, I resonate so much with everything that you shared, whether it was dance being a feeling and a culture in itself, or the passion that you both have for your artistry. I think it's incredibly beautiful. This next song is by Joaquin Gallegos called Tierra y Cielo, Tanguillos, featuring Ismael Fernandez. Joaquin Gallegos is a New Mexico-born flamenco guitarist, and featured alongside him is Ismael Fernandez of the group Sonia Oya and Ismael Fernandez Flamenco Company. Following this, we'll also hear Paseo por la Vida by David Sanchez or David El Galli Buleria. He was involved in the residence at the University of New Mexico, the Conservatory of Flamenco Arts, and Tablao Flamenco Albuquerque. Entre la tierra y el cielo hay un amor eterno Me da la clara del día pensando en ti yo me duermo Me da la clara del día Y tú te estás divirtiendo Hay con cualquier bala perdida y yo de pena pico me estoy we hope you've enjoyed this hour of community action. We'd like to thank our guests, Eva Encinas and Marisol Encinas, for sharing their wisdom, art, and culture with us. We'd also like to thank our interviewer, Barbara Ramirez. This hour of radio was produced by Roberta Rael and Barbara Ramirez with production assistance from Madunita Santanam and myself, Sunandita Santanam. We want to give a big shout out to all of our youth producers. We could not do what we do without you. Generation Justice would also like to thank KUNM for bringing the voices of young people to you, KUNM listeners. Our website is generationjustice.org, where you can check out all of our multimedia work and listen to our podcasts, which are also available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We're also active on social media, so find us on Facebook and Instagram, and you can also follow our playlist on Spotify. Generation Justice is funded by the W.K. Kellogg Foundation with additional funding from the Annie E. Casey Foundation, the Conalma Health Foundation, the New Mexico Department of Health Infectious Disease Bureau through the Better Together Program, and Office of School and Adolescent Health, as well as the City of Albuquerque, 
Race Forward, Media Justice, and of course, all of you who've contributed to our project by visiting our website and clicking donate. Our opening song is Youth of the Nation by POD and coming up on KUNM is Spoken Word. So stay tuned and join us next Sunday at seven o'clock. I was your host for this evening, Sunandita Santana. Have a great night, New Mexico.